Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. Lord, the unfolding of your word brings light. And your word says, if we walk in your light, that we will have fellowship with you. And the blood of Jesus will continuously cleanse, cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And therefore this morning, O oh Lord, even as the word gets unfolded and you bring light into our lives, enable us, Lord, not to run away from that light. Enable us to walk in that light, examining ourselves in the light of what you have to speak to us so that we can experience a cleansing, a continual cleansing of our inner man, of our soul, of our thoughts, our ideas, our will even more conformed to your will, of our emotions. So that, Lord, we could be, O oh Lord, vessels of honor, ready for the master's use, even in these last days. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and anoint us, speak to our hearts, even in the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled today's uh, meditation as uh, Hedged In, Hedged In, Hedged In. One of the lessons that we learn from the life of Elijah is that the word of the Lord came to him and he obeyed. And that is one of the reasons, or rather one of the only reasons, one of the only reasons, that he enjoyed supernatural protection from God, from all the onslaughts of the enemy. There was a kingdom of the demonic that hated Elijah, wanted his head, was searching for him relentlessly, wanted to finish him off. You see, the world is calculated in its hatred towards God and his people. Systematically, it's a calculated effort. You'll see through the history of the people of God. The moment the nation of Israel was formed, there was a calculated onslaught of the devil to discredit the very existence of the nation. When Abraham was called, if it were not for the protection of God in that, he said, those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will, I will curse. I mean, that kind of, that was a kind of a protection that God gave Abraham because the moment God calls you, you are under the crosshairs of the enemy. He hates you with a perfect hatred. He has that kind of a hatred. And he will use various institutions and instruments, human, governmental, and every kind at his disposal to discredit you and to destroy you. The enemy comes to, ah, you know it, <laughs> nothing but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But notwithstanding all these, uh, what do you call these ideas of the enemy, or the, the, the mindset of the enemy, Elijah, the Tishbite, 
enjoyed supernatural protection from God. Look at what it says in 1 Kings chapter 18 when Obadiah <laughs> finds Elijah, rather Elijah finds Obadiah, okay. So he said, oh sorry, yeah. So he said, this is Obadiah, how have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab? You know, Obadiah comes, Elijah comes and says, you know, go and tell Ahab, Ahab I'm here, let's have a meeting. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. <laughs> Hunt to finish you off. And when they said he is not there or he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or, or that nation they, that they could not find you. This is, I mean, if, if it were not for God, I mean, I'll tell you honestly, you know, if it were not for God who was or who was on our side, Malachi chapter three will say, I the Lord do not change and therefore you sons of Jacob have not been what? Consumed. You would have been consumed long time. I mean, you'll think about it, no? Six million Jews systematically annihilated. The hatred of, of, of the devil against the people of God. Because he knew the time was, time was very near for the nation of Israel to be to be created. And he did any, everything in his capacity to finish them off. Hamans are rising, my dear brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not. I mean, there is a, there is a, there's an ans- onslaught, a calculated onslaught. I mean, if you, if you do not sense it, we are blind in the spiritual realm as a bat. They are after us, after our children, after our posterity. But thank God, the initiative is not with the devil. The initiative is with us. Because God says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. But the two things, I mean, we, even as we were studying about Elijah in the last, last several weeks, and two words which came out of the text kind of just gripped my heart. I want to introduce those two words to you. In the light of what I give this meditation, the title I give for this today's meditation. First Kings chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, this is verse 2 and 3, get away from here and turn eastward and hide. Everybody say hide. Good, that's one word. First Kings chapter 17 and verse 8 and 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell. Say, everybody say dwell. Okay, hiding and dwelling. Most of the problems we face in our lives is because we don't hide or dwell where God wants us. Wants us to. And therefore, we don't enjoy protection from God. We don't enjoy the provision of God. And we don't go through the preparation that God for, God has for us in every situation that he wants us to be in. God wants to prepare us so that one day we'll be used of God like Elijah to confront the prince of this age and to deliver people from the, from the grips of Satan and turn them towards Christ. The process through which God takes us is as important as as the product. The product is a product, part of the process. You see, there's a verse we all are very familiar. 
in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at this, what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 first, and then in verse 10. We'll read that together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of God, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand, so that we might walk in them. You see, when you read, when you go through the tabernacle, the various instruments, or rather the various elements of the tabernacle, you find the bronze altar after you've passed the, the, Pass through the leaden wall, through the gate, through the entrance, and into the into the outer courts. You see the bronze altar, and then you see the bronze laver, and then you see the holy place with its covering. And when the moment you enter into the holy place, everything is of gold. You have the table of shubhrat, you have the golden altar of incense, and then there is a candlestick. Very interestingly, it is made not of gold; it is made of what we call as beaten gold, which 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 depicts or which uh, which shows. Divine workmanship. Okay. It's like beaten gold. No, God is like literally working on that. What is that? A workmanship so that you see that in that, in that candlestick, what you have is a continuous anointing of God being poured and the continuous changing of the mind taking place so that we become anointed vessels with a transformed mind able to hold the things of God and understand His will. So that is a that is beaten goal. That is workmanship. And in order to become God's workmanship, there is a process that we, you and I have to go through. And therefore, hiding and and dwelling is important. Well, I'm not going to talk about the process. I'm just going to talk about how we should hide and how we should dwell. That's going to be today's meditation. Exodus chapter 19. We know this verse very well. God brought them out of Egypt. What for? Your answer would be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete the sentence. God brought them out of Egypt so that, excuse me? So, yeah, it's to, to, to worship Him, etc. No, no, this, this very interesting word, verse, verses, I mean words that you have to pay attention to. Look at the personal pronouns that God uses. In Exodus chapter 19. Just keep that in mind. Hmm? And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain saying. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. And tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you. On eagle swings. And brought you to. Not to serve. I brought you to. Myself. You are mine. That is most, again, let's, let's read a few more verses. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, you see that again? And keep my covenant. Look at the, the, the emphasis on the word my, the personal pronoun. Then you shall be a special treasure to me again, about all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and these are the words we shall, which you shall tell the children of Israel. You see, the whole purpose, like Pastor was talking about in the morning, you know, he says, is that he loves us so much, and the Bible is a love letter from God, and when you read a love letter, what happens? Heart starts beating. Hmm? Yeah? No, no, it's love email now. Okay, love text. <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, the equivalent, love instamat message, whatever. Hmm? 
or love tweet. Oh, tweet is public, right? Okay. So, you know, you know, God, God loves us like that. No, He wants us for Himself. He wanted to have a relationship with us. Okay. He wanted to live among His people. And therefore, what did He do? He said, you know what? Make a tabernacle so that I could come and dwell among you. And then you dwell with me and in me. That's the whole purpose of bringing them out. The tabernacle is in the wilderness. You see, the promised land is not the destination. Who is our destination? God is our destination. Okay. A lot of, you know, times, a lot of times I, I also, God brought us out so that he might bring them in. Where? To the promised land? No, 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 no. God brought them out to himself. That is the reason why Moses says, you know what? If your presence will not go with us, even to the best of the lands, we will not move one inch from here. Because I understand, you brought us to yourself so that we can have a relationship with you. Okay. God loves to be with us. And therefore, he gave them the tabernacle. Now, that is the reason why you have this famous, I mean, I'll, I quote him quite often. No? Famous Persian mathematician. His name is Omar Khayyam. You know that? You know? What, is, what does he say? A loaf of bread, a glass of wine, and your presence is paradise in the wilderness. That's what he wrote to his, wrote to his wife in, in Persian. So mathematician, okay. Mathematicians are romantic, okay. They are romantic mathematicians. Hmm? Oh, somebody said, whoa. Huh? <laughs> they are romantic mathematicians, okay. Umar Khayyam, the famous Persian mathematician. A loaf of bread, a glass of wine, and your presence. What is it? Paradise in the wilderness. I mean, tu hai to kuch bhi. Okay. All I need is you. Hmm? It's exactly what we say. I need you. God says, you know, that's exactly what we, I wanted to have that relationship with you. I brought you to myself. So understand, keep that in mind. The entire purpose of the teaching of the word of God is to ensure that we have that vibrant love relationship with God. Your, your, your devotions are not just devotions. Okay. If you, if you don't miss your devotion, don't say, oh Lord, today I missed my devotion. Oh, what happened? No, no, no. It's not a, it's not a, it's like, Lord, I missed you. Lot of difference between, you know what? Missed my devotions and missed my reading and missing you. Hmm? Lot of difference. Okay. You know, remember that song? Kabhi na jao chodke, abhi na jao chodke, ke dil abhi bara nahi. Abhi abhi to aai ho. Abhi abhi to. It's just you came, no? All those fantastic Muhammad Rafi songs we enjoyed those days, no? That's exactly the reason why God brought us to Himself. To enjoy Him. What is the whole purpose of man? Hmm? Find it out. It's a catechism. Okay, that's your homework. Hmm? So, to dwell, to hide, to dwell. Why? To have a relationship with them. This is the two words which I want to look at. You know, hide by carrots and dwell with me. Wherever we dwell, it's in the present. It's where God wants us to be. See, one of the things that you need to understand. Places where you enjoy what is hiding and dwelling. These are spiritual dispositions. These are spiritual disciplines and dispositions. What are these? These are dispositions where you enjoy God's supernatural provision and protection. And you grow in your relationship with the Lord and enjoy special intimacy with Him which is not otherwise possible. That is the reason why in the book of Jeremiah he says, he says, you know what? I remember the love of your espousals. When you went after me, where? In the wilderness. You see? 
You went after me in the wilderness, not in the promised land. In the wilderness. So, the point is, when we leave God, we walk contrary to Him. So, whenever we we are facing any problems in our lives, for example, we are going through some situation. You know, most of the time, and rather the first thing that we have to tick off is that, am I walking contrary to God? Is God against me or the devil against me? We know devil is always against you. But if God is against us, then we are in deep trouble. Look at what he says in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, okay? It's just building up some foundations. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also what? Walk contrary to you. And I will punish you yet seven seven times. Four times he uses the word seven. Seven times, seven times, seven times, seven. Seven to the power of four. And I will bring a sword against you that that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. My goodness. I mean, he's like, he's, he's not talking about anything else. He's, he brings the covenant over there. He talks about a relationship again. You see? So one of the things that you have to take off, am I walking contrary to God or not? If I am not walking contrary to God, am I, if I am right with God, then, no matter what I face in life, I will have the assurance. What is that word? If God is for me, who then can be against me? The point is, God has to be for you. Now, where will God be for you is a question. Where is God for you? He is at the place where you hide and dwell. That is the place where you, where God is for you. That is where you are hedged in. That is where you are protected. That is where you are provided. That is where you are prepared. Protected. Provided and prepared. Otherwise, we'll be flippantly using using these verses. No, if God is for me, who can who can be against me? The point is, there's a huge if if. It's a conditional statement. It is incumbent upon certain conditions that we have to fulfill for God to be for us and with us. Remember Joshua, right? Remember the story. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And what does God say? Neither. You have to make a choice. So. Today I want to look at one familiar passage that everybody knows, famous, all of us know it. So many times we have looked at. But I want to draw lessons from this man. Okay, from this man. I really enjoy him now. I mean, those days I used to dread to read through that book. But now I enjoy him. Even as I walk with the Lord and I'm enjoying his presence, this one word, one book, I love to read through. And I know many of us don't like to read through, read through it, but let us see that. I'm going to introduce it. What is the suspense, no? The book of Job. Hmm? Job chapter 1. Okay. Let's read. There was a, there was a man in the land of Uds. That's the word is Uds. Okay. That's the Hebrew. There's no Uds in, in, in English. So you use the word Z. Whose name was Job or Job. And that one, that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And there's, uh, actually I love the word the KJV uses, eschewed evil. Eschewed evil. Hmm? He had seven sons, three daughters were born to him. Seven sons, three daughters. Perfect. Okay. I'm not going to have seven sons. Okay. Just three daughters. Enough for me. Okay. Verse three. 
Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He was the numero uno. Okay, Forbes number one. Okay. Now, as we read in the morning devotion today, Pastor Pastor said, wealth is not bad. It can be a strong city. It depends upon how you use your wealth. Now, let me tell you something. The reason why this man was blessed is very obvious to us. The reason why this man was blessed beyond all the people in the East was simply because of the lifestyle, the spiritual lifestyle that he disciplined himself in. In that he was blameless, he was upright, the one who feared God, and he eschewed or shunned away or turned away from evil. That is the reason why our prosperity has to be a result of our walk with the Lord. Our marks has to be a result of our integrity. Our job has to be a result of the work of God in our lives. That is the reason why, you know what, uh, the apostle uh, 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 John in his epistle, 1 John, third John, he says, you know what, I rejoiced when I heard that my children are walking in what? Truths. And then because you are walking in truth, he says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper in everything and are in good health even as your soul prospers because I'm enjoying, I'm looking at the lifestyle that you're following. It's a lifestyle of truth and integrity, a life of integrity. See, our blessings has to be a result of it. Like uh, if you were there, if you're listening to the Nepali service, you know what? The blessing of God makes one rich, but what does not God do? He does not add sorrow to it. That is Proverbs chapter 10, verse, 20, verse 22 for you, for those who are taking notes. Hmm? So household, our blessing, your marks has to be a result. That's the reason why I love the testimony of that 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 young man, no? Who was, who was going to Stanford, MIT or which one? My goodness, when I was listening to that. I visited MIT. Now he's going to study MIT. There's a lot of difference. Okay, Amazing. It has to be a result of your walk with the Lord. So this is the, this is the man. And the wealth that he possesses does not uh, sorry, does not uh, impress God. What impresses God what impresses God and that is exactly what we have to note and keep in mind. What impresses God is this. Job chapter 1. Let's read it. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And who came now? Not Lucifer. Satan. Lucifer was good. He became Satan after the fall. Now he becomes the adversary, the opposer. And the Lord said, and and, and Satan came uh, also came uh, among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Everybody did not recognize Satan because he transformed himself into the angel of light. So everybody said, hello, hello, sir. Millions of angels, no? And he also came. But the Lord said, hey, come here, come here. Of all the people, he singled out, come here. And the Lord asked asked Satan, from where do you come? What is your job profile? So Satan answered and said to him, from going to and fro, up and down, hmm? walking back and forth in it. That is my duty. I am following right from the beginning of my fall. And then look at this word. I told you, what impresses God, right? Then the Lord said to Satan, 
have you considered my servant? I, I, you know what? I like, I like the word occurred. The word considered is very interesting. Very interesting. Have you set your heart on my servant Job? Okay. No, look at this. What impresses God is not his wealth and not his resume. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. God is not impressed by our intelligence or lack thereof. Our talents or lack thereof. Our wealth, our resume or lack thereof. Our achievements in the world do not impress God one bit. What impresses God and attracts him him towards us, you know, it's a beautiful word in First Peter chapter 3, he says, an imperishable beauty of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is what? Most precious. That impresses God and attracts us to him, or rather him to us. And look at his, his boasting. I, I like the way he boasts. Have you considered my servant Job? Uh, there is what? None like him. There is none like you, is what we sing. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and fine. That is our song to Jesus. And now Jesus is singing. There is none like Job. What what, what a song. Think about that. No one else touches my heart. And it should touch your heart also, Satan. We sing that song. That's Pastor James' favorite song in Telugu. There is no one like Job. And what is he impressed with? He says, there is no one on earth if I were to put a competition on character. The fastest chess player. The fastest, the greatest. The fastest runner. The richest man. The wisest person. No, 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 no. You know what impresses God? I looked at all the earths and I found my servant Moses. Moses. What is he? The meekest man on the earth. You see the competition of meekness? I mean, if we were to have a competition of meekness in our church. What a church that would be, you know. We are competing against one another. Like for what? To be the meekest. No brother, you take. No, no, no brother, you. No, our, our entire lifestyle will be of deferring to one another. If you know, if you remember the word that pastor was teaching us in one of the Sundays, in one of our Bible studies. Considering one others better than us. What, I mean, think about a competition like that. Hmm? The most loving husband. I mean, can, think about a competition like that. The most submissive wife. I mean, think about that. Huh? Oh, the most obedient children. I mean, think about that. I mean, you, you see, you, have you seen a competition like that? Oh, look at the talent. Look at the... No, 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 no. That's what we are impressed with, right? My 
when a moment wives are in, i mean somehow you know there's a there's a there's a saying in telugu gummadikai donga ever ante bujal for those for those who understand there are no subtitles for that okay no subtitles <laughs> okay you see think about that no i mean uh, uh, eric and i we were having a discussion the other when we were there in jamshedpur no we were having a discussion about very various brothers in the church and we good things okay and i was telling you know what i've seen one of the top 5 brothers i have met in my entire life top 5 if i have to measure the top 5 spiritual brothers in my life i said you know what sam stands there sami from our church top 5 of all the spiritual people i met in my entire life the top 5 stands there I mean, our, 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 you see, our value systems, our measuring, measuring rods, our instruments are all, you know what, unjust, my dear brothers and sisters, unjust scales and balances we have in our world and in our, even in our hearts. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. What impresses God, therefore, is blamelessness, uprightness. Hmm? A man who fears God and shuns evil. and therefore and therefore look at what it says <laughs> you know what somebody gets praised satan cannot tolerate and so do some brothers and sisters you <laughs> know somebody gets praised like ziba no everything okay but lame every wife struggles okay every child struggles every husband struggles struggles you know struggles <laughs> we don't like it you see so so immediately satan's true colors come out no so satan answered the lord and said does job fear god for nothing i mean look at the words that he uses my dear brothers and sisters have you not a made a hedge around him you know the thing the, th- the, the thing is that you no know, you need to understand have you not made a hedge around him now what is the title of today's m- message hedged in what did i underline ah you i hope you noticed okay you see you, what i mentioned and what i did not mention is also very important in the class Okay, in the class, again, is very important what I mention and what I do not mention. Now here, here is he says, you have hedged him around. I mean, of course, around him. You put a hedge around him. You put a hedge around his household, and you put a hedge around all that he owns. and you prospered him and blessed the work of his hands etc etc we know this those verses but i want to look at the word around what is that hedge what is that hedge my dear brothers and sisters is what i want to look at today this morning what is that hedge you know the word hedge comes from the hebrew word which means on behalf of okay you understand that? on behalf of okay in other words who is the hedge you are the one who is standing there 
you are on behalf of him. What is that? And you know the actually the story of 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 uh, Job, right? God asked him to. God uh, removes that hedge. In other words, God moves Himself away from the place. <clears throat> what I, I was thinking about: What is this hedge, Lord? What is this hedge? What is the mystery here? The mystery of the hedge. You know, one of the things that you need to read the Bible with a mindset of the cross. You know what you should do? Wherever, whenever you read the Bible, you should expect to see the cross. Okay? So, let me show where this word around is used, in what context it is used to get a picture of what the hedge is. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse number 7. Moses said unto Aaron, Go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering and make an atonement for yourself. The word for around. Make an atonement around yourself. So what is that around? What is that hedge? The hedge is the atonement that Jesus made for us on our behalf. Let me tell you something. Jesus was, I mean, if you were to put a competition between Job and uh, Jesus, who would win? That's exactly what he said. He he told, that's his, Job's own confession, okay? He said, you know what? I heard you by the hearing of my ears, but now I see you with my eyes, and therefore what do I do? I repent in dust and in ashes. So, when Job is compared to Jesus, he's nothing. So, competition between Job and Jesus, no chance. So, Jesus is there. The blameless Upright, one who feared God and who shunned evil, what did God do to him? He took away the hedge around him. He allowed him to be crucified on the cross. He became sin for us on the cross. He became the curse for us on the cross. He became wounded for our transgressions. He became poor and he became naked, absolutely naked on the cross so that you and I can be what? Hedged about. So what is a hedge around Job? It's the finished work of Jesus Jesus Christ on the cross. Remember Psalm 121. How many of you know Psalm 121 by heart? Okay. Psalm 121. Come on. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. Okay, where are you expecting the help to come from? From the hill. What do you find on the hill? What do you find on the hill? The cross. You see, I mean that's the reason why I like the song. On a hill, far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Oh, how I love that old cross. So despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above and gave himself on dark Calvary. That is a cross. That is a hill. 
I wrote it down. I lift up my eyes to the hills. My help, help comes from the Lord, God, the maker of heaven and earth, not full stop, who became sin for us on the cross. And therefore, he preserves my soul. He preserves my going out and my coming in. The sun will not smite me by day, nor the powers of darkness by night. Why? Because on the cross, he became the hedge. You see, the top three righteous people in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are the top three righteous people? Why is that? Why is he called righteous? Because our righteousness is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 14 about our great man Job. That new, the top three. Bah, kya wa, this three is in the Bible. Now the top three. Look at what it says. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. What does Noah mean? The man who found rest in me. What does Daniel mean? The man who judged himself. What does Job mean? Job means the word, the one who is hated by this world. The word Job means the one who is hated by this world. Noah means the one, the one who found rest in me. Daniel means Daniel means what? God, my God is my judge. The one who judged himself. You know what? These are the people who are righteous. Noah, Daniel, and Job. If they were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. Why? Because their righteousness is not their righteousness. It is the righteousness that they received as a free gift. It is a hedge that protects them and surrounds them. Therefore, Colossians chapter 3 will say, let's see verses 3 and 4. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. But what is the point? For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. You are hidden in Christ. Okay. You sing, we sing that song. You are my hiding place. Psalm 32. Read that now. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. In other words, he will be protected. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. When? When am I going to be? When is God going to be our hiding place? When is he going to surround us with songs of deliverance? Just like that. We don't have to do anything. Look at what it says. Psalm 32 and verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. You see, this is David's Psalm, I believe these are the two Psalms that he wrote, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, when he sinned against Bathsheba. He kept silent. Mum was the word. What's her name? In Telugu it said, Mauni. Mauni means silent. What's your name? Mauni. He was doing Mauna Ragam. Hmm? What Ragam? Nothing happened. Look ma, no hands. This murder and me, we are not related at all. And he became Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. The kid is not my son. <laughs> I mean, what a song. This kid is not my son. Very, very silent. You know what God did? 
crushed it. He sent arrows of, I, I, I believe, I mean, if one of the pastor's conferences, you know, he says, I think you, you would have heard this. When David confesses and says, since, uh, and he confesses his sin and he says, I have sinned. You know, what does Nathan say? The Lord has, and, and you shall. Ah, you see, you see, you see, you see, fantastic listeners. The Lord has put away, how can you miss such fantastic, I mean, think about it, you know. It's very important. The Lord has put away your sins and you shall. You shall. Ah, thank you, sister. You shall not die. That means what? You are literally hanging by a knife edge. I would have lowered the knife on you had it not been for your confession. I think he was sick with an incredible sickness and therefore he did not even want to go to war. You know, when you are sick in your body, ask the Lord. Don't just take it lightly. Why Lord? What is the reason? Why the sickness? Is this sickness for your glory? Or for my discipline? Ask it. I mean, these are the, this should be very, these are scary questions, right? How, how many of you have asked? You know, you don't ask. You say, Dr. Richard, what should I do? <laughs> I mean, Derek Prince makes a fire, fire up statement. He says, when he, anybody is sick, let him call for the our elders, not the doctor. And when you call not the elders, but the doctor, what are you doing? You are disobeying a direct commandment of God. Ask, ask, ask these questions. Why am I sick? Why am I groaning? Why is there sickness in my body? Why are my bones going dry? Why is there, why is there sickness in my body? Why am I not enjoying vitality in my body? You know why? For day and night, what was there? Your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Sela, pause there. <laughs> Contemplate. By the way, you know what, where, where Job lived? He lived, lived in the land of, you know what Uds means? Deep contemplation. That's the word, Uds. Actually, there's a, there are two words. I mean, the root word is Uds, and uh, the connotation is Uds, you, you means wooded, wooded, or a, it's a forest where he's hiding. Where do you hide? You hide yourself in counsel. Contemplation. That's the meaning, okay? Hebrew is fantastic. This is a beautiful language. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity have I not hidden from you. I said I will confess my sin, my, my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore you became my what? My hiding place. So what was Job's, Job's daily routine? This is Job's routine with his children. If this is the routine with his children, how much more tougher it would have been with himself. He would have been with himself. Job chapter 1, verse 5. So it was when the days of their feasting had run their course. Bah, they had a course on feasting, okay? Udemy course, free. That Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer a burnt offering according to the number number of them all. For Job said in his heart, it may be, it may be, that they might have cursed God in their what? Hearts. See, 
So what does it what does it mean? What is that hedge? How did he get in, get into that hedge? Job practiced a regular lifestyle, a regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. Write it down. A regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and what? Repentance. Children, make it a habit when you're young. So when when you grow old, you will not depart from it. When you finish your day, Confess to the Lord all your sins. What are the sins that you commit? The sins that you are supposed to do and not supposed to do. The sins of commission and the sins of omission. And I'm sure all of us and every day would have been guilty of what? Of sin of omission. For sure. For example, give thanks. And and it is a command. And what did you do? You not. So what did you do? You sinned. Did you ask God for forgiveness? I mean, I mean, actually, you should you should keep on crediting th- thanks into your account. Thank you, Lord. Why? Just in case, no? Just in case, send it off. Credit into your account whenever you have the opportunity. In all circumstances, what should you do? Give thanks. You see, when you do not know how to give thanks when things are going well with you, do you think you'll give thanks when things are going bad with you? No, not a chance. So, a regular lifestyle. Of contemplation, confession, and repentance. And therefore, you know what? He was blame. He was, this is what we call as blamelessness, okay? He, he practiced that every day. Every day he went to the cross. Every day he pleaded the blood over his life. Every day he said, Lord, forgive my sins. And what? Sin where? In the heart. Not ostensible sins. Because you see the heart. So the first thing he practiced that caused to caused God to be a hedge around him. A regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. Let's move. Job chapter 1 verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? The first thing we talked about was he a lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. Second, a lifestyle of being blameless before God. The word, the Hebrew word is tamam or perfect. Tamam, tamam. Where does it occur in the Bible? The very first time. Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 1. We know this very, very well. Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 1. And when Abraham was 90 years old, and 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the Lord Almighty, or God Almighty, walk before me and be, what? Blameless. Or be thou perfect, or blameless, or complete. You know what the word before me means? Before my face. Before my face. And by the way, the Hebrew word for face is faces. God has got two faces. The goodness and the severity. So, walking before God means keeping in mind the goodness of God and the severity of God. Point number one. Second, what does a face have primarily? Eyes. Eyes to examine. Okay? Eyes to examine. And how many eyes does God have? What are his eyes? Who are his eyes? 
Who are the eyes of God? Ah, very important. You need to understand that. No, the, the word, uh, by the way, before me means presence of God. Presence also means before God. You see this verse in Psalm 51 verse number 11. Cast me not away from your presence or before your face. And do not take your Holy Spirit. So, two things are com- combined together. The presence of God, the face of God, the faces of God, the eyes of God, and the Spirit of God. So, therefore, who is the eyes of God? The Spirit of God. How many eyes does he have? How many eyes? Seven. That means what? Every angle, the camera is there. Seven-fold, closed-circuit camera. You know, they, they did a, they did a sur- survey, no? Survey in one of the restaurants where there was a restaurant with all kinds of, of, uh, of, uh, posters or other, um, what do you call? Not posters? What do you call that, baby? Frames, huh? Yeah, frames. No, you should ask girls, no? They know what it means. Okay, frames. All kinds of frames, all different arts. And you know what? When they saw the people who were there in the, in the, in the arena, they says, please put your plates, uh, near the, near the, the, the tray area. Most of the fellows, they left their plates and went. So what did they do? They changed the frames now and they put ice all around. The frames are only ice. Suddenly their attitude changed. Everybody started putting their plates near the trash area. Why? Suddenly they had a sense that big boss is watching. Eyes all around. Examination. What does eyes do? Examine. You know, you need to understand an examiner, okay? Because I come from an academic background. I will tell you my experience with an examiner. We, we In our PhD, we have, we have two exams. One we call as PhD thesis proposal. You have a presentation. You have the thesis and you have the final thesis defense. Our examiner is invited for both these occasions. Okay? Uh, my examiner was Professor Subir Saha from IIT Delhi, Mechanical Engineering Department. So he came for my thesis proposal. Okay. And uh, my presentation was fantastic. No? No, I made one of the best present. I worked on it for like almost 48 hours, 72 hours, close to, uh, without sleep almost. Okay. And uh, made the fantastic presentation and uh, the presentation was over. My supervisor was impressed. He did not know what I did. So he found out from the presentation. Hmm? My supervisor. Okay. And after the, after the presentation was over, he came to me and he shook my hand. My, my, my examiner, my external examiner also was very happy. Yeah, it's a good thesis, nice proposal, fantastic, etc. He gave me a good, uh, gave me an A plus on my proposal. Pro- proposal, okay, still not defense. And then my, my boss com- comes to me into my room and he says, Vijay, I've never ever attended a presentation like that in my entire life. That is a fantastic, you know, whatever, commendation from your supervisor. I was like, oh, cloud number nine. Then I wrote my thesis. You know, confidence comes now. I wrote my thesis, five chapters, to the best of my ability, cited everything. I sent it. Sister Elsa is laughing <laughs> because she knows what happened. Okay. So, I was expecting the, I mean, I thought, no, because my examiner was happy, no. I was thinking that it's going to be like a slam dunk now, no. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a home run, 10, 10 by 10, I'm going to finish my, wind up my thesis and three months out, I'm out of the university. So, I sent my thesis proposal to the professor. 
वन मंथ ओवर टू मंथ ओवर थ्री मंथ ओवर फोर मंथ ओवर फाइव मंथ ओवर सिक्स मंथ ओवर सेवेंथ मंथ इट कम्स बैक प्रपोजल कम्स इन इन सील्ड ऑनवलॉप was like what is it yeah maybe you know maybe he was busy he must have gone for some conference and therefore he was not i opened my thesis when i opened my thesis every line had a red ink every line and he gave me a huge reason as to why he should not accept my thesis my prof looked at it i looked at it he looked at me and he said I am not responsible for this. He said, "Vijay, what happened?" I said, "Sir, I don't know what happened." You know, that day when I actually got my thesis, I was all by myself in Grace Home those days. That's what I thought. Hmm? But you know what? Telugu lo there's a saying, no? The walls have ears. I saw my thesis, and my anger and my frustration came out through my words. Whatever is there in your heart. comes through your mouth and i use some of the choicest languages a pastor should ever use a pastor should never use john 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 manohar is there he was there slightly silently he was a, he was in the 10th grade of those days no 10th grade and i was using abuse some it was all coming out of my mouth because you know see you know because you know it's an idol in your heart you know somebody touches your idol what happens okay everything was over i frustration i came out and i just came to my i wanted to go to the washroom i came out of the uh, ldd office and then janwanar looks at me and he says hello sir hello pa hello pa you know not hello sir ga hello pastor ha pastor and you know janmanohar has that has that very very mischievous he's got a smile we don't know we do not know what it means <laughs> he just puts his he puts his mouth like that you know we don't we don't know what it means no he said just i heard you i heard you i'm like i went to the washroom <laughs> i went into the washroom you know this is this is double trouble okay now the examiner examined me and the worst my congregation had examined me and my lord examined me so i came back you know i had to spend about 3 to 4 months to prepare a rebuttal and to redo the thesis completely examiner and then he says you know what when he gives you a phd he says now you are blameless now think about it my dear brothers and sisters if an earthly examiner can drive you nuts you have to stand before god think about that examination how many readings will we have in our, in the poem that he wrote so what are these eyes baba who are these eyes you say spirit of god okay what does he do i'll tell you hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 onwards let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience now you know i was a very bad example john morar i came and apologized to him immediately i used those choices language i had to call sister else i said sister else i'm sorry fantastic language came out of my mouth and your son was there and i became a bad example before him a stumbling block now i had to apologize to him apologize you know all these things happen you will be found out 
be careful your sin will find you out you cannot escape from the eyes of god for the word of the lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And look at what he says. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of God. The seven spirits of God is nothing but the revelation of the word of God. Enlightened revelation of the word of God. Which pierces through the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. In other words, as Derek Prince says, what is soul? Self-conscious. What is spirit? God-conscious. What is body? World-conscious. How much of your life is world-conscious? How much of your life is self-conscious? How much of your life is God-conscious? Underlined. Tested. By the word of God. And then God gives you a certificate. Blameless. Perfect. That is the reason why the teaching of the word of God is so important. We come very casually. Lord, speak to me. Look at what it says in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you what? You searched me. How? Through the word? You searched me through the word and showed me how much of me is self-conscious. How much of me is God-conscious. How much of me is world-conscious. Some of your dressings full of the world. I mean, you care two hoods. You come to the presence of God like that. Think about that. You will go to an interview like that? That's the reason why you know what God says. If I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my, where is my respect? And yet you say, how did you love us? Have I not, have I not loved Jacob and have I not hated Esau? Oh, my dear brothers and sisters. He says, you searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You know, in other words, why do you sit up and why do you rise up? He knows. <laughs> you know, there is an intention behind, behind sitting and intentions behind rising. You know that? For example, a conversation is going on. Conversation is going on. Okay. I never use the chair first time. Okay. Conversation is going up. You walk out like that. What does it mean? Not interested. Think about that, no? Jesus is conversing with us. And you walk out. You're casual. You are like my students in my triple ID. After 45 minutes, prostate problem. After 8 years in my university, you know what I found? Shirts tighter. Skirts shorter. And patience waning out. Prostrate, very weaker. Shirt shorter, skirt shorter, prostrate, very weak. In eight years. Weaker by the year. And he says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought. <laughs> when, 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 when? Far off? You comprehend my path and my lying down. Are I acquainted with all my ways? For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, the Lord, you know it all together, completely, perfectly. And verse 5, you, look at this, look at this, look at this. I like this word. You what? 
hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, Lord. Where can I run from your presence? Where can I run from your spirit? If I make my bed in hell, you are there. What is your bed in hell? Before your computer, watching YouTube. That is hell. You can delete your history, Baba. But history is recording, recorded there. Your artificial intelligence is artificial only. That is real intelligence. That is divine intelligence. And verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. That is what is talking about being blameless. Coming under the scrutiny of the word of God. Subjecting yourselves unto the scrutiny on the analysis and the examination of the word of God through the spirit of God. Psalm 19. Who can understand his errors? Answer. Answer. No one. That's a rhetorical question. No one can understand his errors. Obviously, that is the reason why you need somebody to tell you what your errors are. You have not just one blind spot, several. That is the reason why in the, in the search of God, there are no blind spots, seven eyes. Perfectly you will see. Every angle is covered. Keep your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be what? Blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. So first thing, what did he do? He practiced a regular lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. Second, he practiced a regular lifestyle of probings and examinations of the word of God and of the spirit of God. That is what we call as accountability. Why do we come for the word of God? To the preaching of the word of God so that we make ourselves accountable. So write it down. A lifestyle of regular probings and examinations of the word of God. That is the second one. So that you are Blameless. So first thing, we know, contemplation, confession, and repentance. Second, probings and examinations by the word. Let's go back. Job chapter 1 verse 8. And that is the reason why, you know, God loved this guy. Look at this. You know what? Did you see my servant? In other words, he says, have you set your heart upon my servant? Yes, Satan. He says, you know what? This guy is my price. Like pastor was talking about, no? When, uh, what do parents boast about? All the accomplishments of their children. You know what God is going to do? Job. Can God say about us? Have you considered my servant Vijay? Ah, what is That will be awesome, no? Have you considered my servant Krutika? Abigail? Joanne? And all of you, just remove the word Job and put yourself. 
So, you know what? One of the things that you need to understand, Job was willing to pay the price in that he was willing to be hated by the world. He didn't care as to what people think about him. So, first thing, contemplation, confession, repentance. Second thing, a regular lifestyle of probings and examinations by the word and the spirit. Third one, have you considered my servant Job and that there is none like him? So how many are you expecting? I already finished two. So this is the third one. How many are you expecting? No, no, not seven. Five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Blameless and upright. I like the word upright. Upright. You know, how do we, how do we understand uprightness? Osgin has made a very fantastic statement. He says, contrast is the mother of clarity. Hmm. Okay. So let us, contrast is the mother of clarity. Compare and contrast. Okay. So when you see the contrast, you'll know who the real deal is. What the real deal is. When you know what is not, then you know what is. Okay. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 29, 21, 29 in three different translations. The wicked put up a bold front. This is the NIV. But the upright give thought to their ways. Okay. NLT translation is like this. The wicked bluff their way through. (laughs) But the virtuous or the upright think before they act. Another translation. A wicked man hardens his face. In other words, he's set in his ways. But as for the upright, he establishes his way. You get a rendering there. What does it mean? A wicked bluff uh, what does he do? He bluffs his way. We'll see several examples in the Bible. One of the classic examples. The man who wanted to bluff his way through the blessing, to the blessing. Who's that man? The man who wanted to bluff his way to the blessing. Jacob. Okay. Classic bluff. You know, he's like, you know what? He was, he loved his mother's idea. He said, Mama, that was a fantastic idea. An idea will change your life now. Okay, Genesis chapter 27. But look, Jacob replied to to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him or bluff. I remember my my father has a very close friend, no? His name is, we call him Bujji Uncle, Bujji Uncle, Bujji Uncle. Very nice friend. Hmm? <laughs> and a very nice funny guy, okay. Very nice funny guy. So, so in his college days, they used to discuss as to what they do, they used to do in the college days, okay. This is, I, this is public knowledge, okay. He, he can also share with, my father also shared in several public meetings. Not here, several other places. So, in the college, there was a guy who was bullying somebody. And we had to, this, the bunch of friends were very, very upset with the fact that this bully was coming and confronting. I mean, was bullying this guy. They wanted to stand up to him, but nobody had the courage to do it. So they said, buji, buji, buji. You have to do something about it. So they had a confrontation. And this buji uncle, in his heart, that, 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 his heart was beating against his chest. But before him, he started acting like this. Okay. And he was showing off his muscles and everything. That guy looked at him, studied him very carefully. And he went away. What was he trying to do? Bluff. You know something? 
you cannot do that with the devil. You know what he will say? Jesus, I acknowledge. Jesus, I acknowledge. Paul, I know of. Jesus, I acknowledge. Paul, I know of. Who are you? No, you can trick your father. Not God. Look at his idea. He says, "It'll. I will trick him. Then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. In other words, in, in, in KJV he says, uses the word, I will seem to, to my dad as a deceiver. You seem to your dad as a, as, a, as a deceiver. You are a deceiver. Verse 21. Fired up. He says, Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you. Feel you, my son. Whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. Somehow, you know, Isaac had this, some, you know, some sixth sense, if you want to call it, no? So he went near to Isaac, his father, and felt him, and he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau, and he did not recognize him because his hands were heavy like the brothers, brothers Esau's. So he, Blessed him, but just before he did that, last chance for you to accept who you are. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And what did he say? I am. That's it. The positions get interchanged. Now you are Esau. And what did God tell about Esau? Esau, hey? Huh? No, Job is hated by the world and loved by God. Job means hated. Now, what have you become? Esau, loved by your father, hated by God. You should be very careful. Identity theft. He was trying to steal somebody else's identity. Aadhaar card number. But you can't steal from God. Last chance. I mean, in other words, this man, he practiced the lifestyle of artlessness and guilelessness before God. Job. First Kings chapter 14. At the time, Abiyah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. I told you, no? whenever anybody falls, in, falls sick in your home, ask God. And Jeroboam said to his wife, please arise and disguise yourself. What? What do you do? What do you do? Disguise yourself that they may not recognize you as a wife of Jeroboam and go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah the prophet was there who met me that I would be king over, uh, who, te- who told me that I would be king over his people. And take with you ten loaves, some cakes and a jar of honey. And go to him, he will tell you what will become of my son. And Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh and became and came to the house of Ahia. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by the reason of his of his age. Now the Lord told Ahijah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam, coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus you shall say to her, for it be, for, for it, it will be when she comes in and when she pretends to be another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps and she came to the door, he said, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. That is the prophetic eye. 
It might be blind physically, but not blind spiritually. You can understand that. Are you are going to die, Ahab. You'll go to war. You'll be finished off. Put this fellow in the prison, okay? We'll come back. Micaiah said, if you come back, the Lord has not spoken through me. Ahab said, okay, do one thing. Jehoshaphat, you disguise as me and I will disguise as an ordinary soldier. And the orders were very strict. Go after the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was there. Everybody is after Jehoshaphat now. No, no, no. He says, no, 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 I'm not going. And then this is not Jehoshaphat. Where is the king of Israel? And you know what, is, what, what it says? One soldier randomly shot an arrow. What is that? Randomly shot an arrow. There is no randomness in the kingdom of God, by the way. No Hessiansburg uncertainty principle. And it went through the crevice of his, of his, what is that? Armor. And finished him off. You can't pretend before God, my dear brothers and sisters. I mean, one of the things that I, my children have learned over a period of time is that they can't pretend before me. They can't. Somehow it's very, that discernment is there now. Thank God. I mean, at least till now. Later on, maybe they can become very more, more intelligent and start pretending better. It's like, you know, Elisha, uh, Gehazi comes. Where did he go, Elisha, uh, Gehazi? Your servant did not go anywhere. Really? Did not my spirit go along with you? You know what blamelessness is? Or, sorry, uprightness is? Don't pretend before God. There's so much of pretense in our lives. That's the reason why, you know what? Casting down arguments, you know, the, the Bible says in, in, the, in the book of KJV, it says, I mean, in, the, in the KJV, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in KJV, it says, casting down every pretension, every pretension, every pretense, So what do we do? Subject ourselves to God. Surrender ourselves to Him and ask God for grace. So what happens when we receive grace? This is what happens. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say, no. You know, how many times we have read this verse, right? At least, at least 52 times 7 years, at least we would have read this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What is uprightness? A life without pretense. Behold an Israelite. What Israelite? A true Israelite in whom there is no guile. So the first thing, what did I say? A regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. A regular a lifestyle of regular probings and examinations of the word of God. Third, a lifestyle of being guileless and artless and honest before God. And say to him, I am that man. Three things we looked at. Fourth one. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless 
an upright man is looked at blamelessness, uprightness, and the third thing, the one who fears God. Now, we can look at the fear of God in several contexts, but today I want to look at the, look at it in a relationship with God in a specific, with a specific term, okay? First, first Peter chapter 1. How, why do we fear God? What does it mean to fear God? At least in the New Testament, in the New Covenant context. As a New Covenant believer, how do I fear God? First Peter chapter 1 verse 17 onwards. And if you call on the who? What is this word? Father. Okay. Who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here with fear. Okay. I had a friend in my growing up days. No friend. He used to, he used to be a neighbor. Brother and sister. Sri Ram Sri Vidya. Okay. Sri Ram Sri Vidya. And the guy was a brilliant kid. He passed away in an accident. Nice family. Okay. So he used to come to our home. Uh, we were in, uh, living in the third, third floor. He was living in the first, in the ground floor. He used to come to our play home and we used to play uh, chess and we used to hang out a lot. He's two years younger to me or two, three years younger to me. So his father used to have a very tough schedule. He said, you know, you're going to Anna's house only for half an hour. And I will call you in half an hour. You know what? How used to call him from downstairs? What did you hear? Clap. What did they hear? Father. All of us heard a clap. The moment he heard, we were all engrossed in that game. No, the chess was going on, like engrossed in that game. And he used to hear, Appa Kupudra. My pulse calling. I heard a clap. You heard what? Appa. See? A relationship? You know, kids will be playing on the street. And one voice, Ray! Mother is calling. And everybody knows whose mother called. So the perfect son will turn and say, that is my mother. You heard Oray, he heard his mother. You heard a clap, he heard his father. And immediately, you know, you should see the way he stopped. He stops there and he runs downstairs to his father. To his father. Half an hour. My, my, my parents are there, they're witness, okay? That is how I learned my Tamil. Immediately, immediately they used to run. That is the kind of relationship. It was, they used to love their father and they used to river their father. That is what we are calling about fearing God. What does that mean? A lifestyle of knowing and learning and respecting God as father. Having a zeal for his name. In no way I should bring disrepute to my father's name. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, the first thing, hallowed be thy name. In other words, I should not do anything in my life that will bring disrepute to your name. In other words, Job is God's son. Lord, they will say, I am your son. Not even a single area in my life. People should say, you know what? This is a Christian. Look at the way he is behaving. That is fear of God. Fear of God, we have a, we have a very 
servile attitude when we're talking about the fear of God. No, 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 we're talking about reverence for my for our father. Hebrews chapter 5, this is, this is talking about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 7 and 7, and 7 onwards. Who in the days of his flesh, when he heard, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, and how did he address him? Abba. That is closeness. Father. Right? With vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his what? Of his godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he, what? Suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. See, this is, this is the process. This is what it means to fear God. In other words, you are zealous for him. We stayed in our previous home for seven years. Seven years in that previous home, you know one thing we wanted to say, you know what? I do not want to give one chance to my landlord saying that this guy, he came to our property and messed it up. When we were leaving, you wouldn't believe it. I handed over the keys to my landlord and he said, Vijay, can we pray? And we sat there together and he started weeping and saying, Lord, it was our privilege to have him in our home. Because I said, Lord, I'm not only Vijay Dakota, I'm Pastor Vijay Dakota. Same thing I did with John Monohar, should not repeat here. You know, we have such, when we parted, which was, we parted in peace and he returned every pie of the deposit. Check. Which landlord gave you the deposit back? They will tell 115 things. This is not right. This is not there. No chance. Because the two things, no, two reputations are at stake. First, your pastor. Second, pastor of GTC. So, and what do you have in your DP? Your senior pastor. So, his name, his reputation, your reputation, God's reputation. That is what we are talking about. John's Gospel chapter 2, verse 13 onwards. Now the Passover of the Jew was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found a temple, those who, in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cards, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers of money, money uh, changers money and overturned the tables. And what did, he, what did he say? And he said to those who sold doves, take these away, things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Zeal for your house. Zeal for your name. This is the teaching. And Jesus does not cleanse the temple once. He cleanses it, cleanses it twice. First in the beginning of his ministry and second time the end of his ministry. Look at what it says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 15 onwards. So when they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And look at what he says, the next word. Then he, what? Thought, saying, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of thieves. Zeal for God's house. Are you zealous for God's name? I bear the name of Christ. So let them not point fingers at my Christ through my behavior. 
John's, yeah, let's, let's go back to Job chapter 1, verse 8. So we looked at four things. So the first thing, a regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. Second, regular probings and examinations of the word of God. Third, a lifestyle of being guileless and artless before God and honest before God. Fourth, a lifestyle of knowing and learning and respecting God as Father. Four things. And the final thing. Job Job 1.8 Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns or eschewates, runs away from evil. The fifth thing. Proverbs chapter 3. What does it mean to run away from evil? Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Ah, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So who are those people who depart from evil? Those who fear God and those who are not wise in their own eyes. In those people who think, they, they don't think they know better than God. No, 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 no. These are wise people. I will do what my God asks me to do. Even if it might look foolish. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of man. Another another psalm. Psalm 34. Come you children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, verse 12. Raise your hands if you want this verse to be fulfilled in your life. Okay? Who is the man who desires life? Nobody desires life? Okay. And who loves many days? I want. Desires life? I want many days. I want to live long. Okay? Okay. That he may see good. In other words, I should not die before my time. I was thinking, I was asking the Lord, no? Like, yesterday, Pastor was saying, we have very little time left. I'm like saying, Lord, it said about David that he fulfilled all the will of God. One thing. Second, he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and rested with his fathers. Is it possible, Lord? I want to finish that. This is my desire. And the answer to the question is this. You want to desire, you desire life. You love many days. That he may see good. What should you do? Keep your tongue from evil. And from your lips from speaking deceitfully. We just saw that, no? Guilelessness. Depart from evil. No, no, not only that. And do good. Seek peace and find it. I was thinking about this. What does it mean to depart from good? Just not departing from from uh, from evil. What, what does it mean to depart from? Just not departing from evil, but on the contrary, do good. There are three kinds of people: the wicked and evil people who repay evil for good; the normal kind of people who repay good for good. That's what Jesus says. Even the tax collectors and will do the, do the same thing. Okay. Even the mafia love their own. One thing they said, they say about, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pablo Escobar. You know Pablo Escobar? The famous Colombian drug lord? He loved his family. Big deal. So if you love your family and you love your own, even mafia dons and drug lords can do the same. Okay. So, the wicked people are those people who repay 
evil for good that they receive. Normal people who repay good for good that they receive. The third kind, third kind of people. The godly and the righteous who repay with goodness even when they receive evil. I'm going to give you an example again. A man who was evil. So that you know the contrast and what you should not be. What does it mean to repay evil for the good that you receive? What does it mean? Are there examples in the Bible of people who repaid evil for the, for the good that they received? Let us see. Very famous. First Samuel chapter 25. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Looks like Job again, right? Okay, Job revisited. But no, this is not Job. The name of, the, of, of that man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. In other words, just because you are from the house of, house of Caleb doesn't mean that you will be a Calebite. Just because you belong to the house of the faithful doesn't mean that you will be faithful. Okay? Look, think about this, no? Beautiful woman. How did this beauty end up with this beast is something which, I, which is beyond me. Yeah, I've seen a lot of cases like that. At least few cases, not a lot of, few cases. Beauty ended up with a beast. How did this happen? I don't know. Maybe she just saw his riches and got attracted towards the riches. I don't know. Somebody said, you know what? He's got a good resume and he's got a good job. He settled in life. It'll be a good match. Maybe. I don't know. But what is he? Nabal. What does Nabal mean? Fool. His name is fool. Personification of a fool. Okay. Then look at this, what it says. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing a sheep, David sent ten young men and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you. Look at this. Peace be to your house. And peace to... Oh, what is What kind of a blessing is this? You are absolutely hedged in like Job, right? Job's household is blessed. He was blessed. His household is blessed. And all that he had is blessed. Three things again. The threefold hedge is there. You are enjoying it. Then, verse 7. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. For we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. In other words, you see, we how did you enjoy such prosperity? Because I was there. Because we were there protecting you. We were ensuring that nothing happens to you. You know, David is a type of Christ or, you know, as the presence of God, where you are enjoying the protection of God. Okay. 
How does Nabal repay? Look at what he says. The next verse. Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each other, each, each one from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat? Look at this. My bread, my water and my meat that I have killed for my sharers <laughs> and give it to men whom I do not know where they are from. What is that? My bread, my water, my wine, my shearers. The story is said about this friend. Brother Edward Williams gives this example. Friend was working on the 25th floor. And his, his friend, who is other companion, was working on the ground floor. From the top floor, he wanted to speak to his friend. So he started shouting at him, but he was not answering. So he did one thing. He took a 10 rupee note and threw it down. The 10 rupee note came down, slowly flying. Mella, mella, fly, fly. He came and came to his friend like this. So the friend looked at the 10 rupee note. He looked to the left. He looked to the right. Took the money and put it in his pocket. Then he said, oh, a 10 rupee note maybe. I'll send a 100 rupee note. So again, he sent a 100 rupee note like that. Slowly the 100 rupee note came. He looked at the 100 rupee note. Looked to the left. Looked to the right. Took the, took the money. Put it in his pocket. Friend, he says, Baba, this fellow is not less responding. So he took a stone. Okay. And he sent it down. Tuck it hit him. Now he looked up and he said, what happened? You see, this is Nabal. My shares, my money, my wealth, my sheep, my wine. Who are you? To whom do we say this? Lord, take this tithe. Leave me alone. Okay? This is, you only told, no? 10% is yours. What does it mean? 90% is mine. I like what Derek Prince said, no? In US and Canada, the tip is 10% of your check. So if your check is $20, you have to tip him $2. When it comes to money, when it comes to giving, you know what Derek Prince says? He says, God does not want your tips. Nobody who has been stingy with God was blessed by God. How do you return to God? You know what it says in the book of Malachi? Bring in your plenty and your abundance into the house of God and let there be found in the house of God riches and honor. And then I will bless you. So what does Nabal do? This is mine. Nabal answered, David, who is David? How do we repay God? This is mine. Keep my 10%, Lord. Thank you very much. My conscience is clear. I mean, that's what you say. No, my conscience is clear. You don't give to keep your conscience clear. God does not want your money to keep your conscience clear. That is free. How do you repay God? Look at how David looks at it. Before I come to the next verse. 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 36. Now Abigail went to Nabal. Oh, sorry. This is, uh, oh my goodness, where is this? I forgot this verse. Somebody, okay, I'll read it in my, in my, in my, 
in my in my book verse 21 actually i i did not put it verse 21 look at what it says verse 21 now david had said surely in vain i have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so nothing was missed in all that belongs to him he has repaid ah what is that evil for the good that i showed him verse 21 he has repaid evil for the good that i showed him how do you repay evil for the good that i show him by not being generous with god and his people that is the way we repay evil for goodness look at what it says in romans chapter 12 repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men if it is possible as much as it depends upon you live peaceably with all men verse 19 beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine and i will repay says the lord so what you should do verse 20 therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he's thirsty give him to drink for in so doing you will reap heap coals of fire on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so immediately abigail realizes there's some mistake no she she comes to him and he remember what she does she stops david you know the story next day what happens everything is over abigail has stopped has stopped david appeased him with a with an offering and first samuel chapter 25 verse verse 36 now abigail went to nabal and there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king and nabal's heart was merry with him for he was very drunk and therefore she told him nothing little or much until the morning light so it was in the morning when the wine had gone from nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone and after 10 days the lord struck him and he died why because you repaid evil for good how by not being generous with what god has given you that is what it means by not being generous with what god has given you you see one of the ways that we hold back when we hold back, we may not be doing something ostensibly evil. That is the reason why he says, if it is in the power in your, in your hand, the power to bless, don't withhold it. Release it. Blessed are the merciful, for you shall obtain mercy. I mean, I understood that verse in different, different ways now. Blessed are the merciful, for you shall replay, you shall what? Receive mercy. I, I remember now when I was in Canada, I was walking on the on the on the roads of uh, Montreal. It was snowing like crazy. Shared it so many times. I can never forget that. So when I was walking towards my apartment, there comes a Jew with his yamuka. You know, know it with his with his long robes like that. And he comes there and he looks at me and he says, "Sir, can you give me some change? I'm very hungry, sir." I looked at him and I said, "What is wrong with this picture? A Jew begging on the road? I never seen that." Then, you know, immediately the verse came to my mind. 
Genesis chapter 12, he says, the Lord said, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And he said, Lord, this is your child. He has a covenant with you, whether he realizes it or not. And your word says, bless him. You know what I did? Whatever I had, I was a student. I gave him something. He went hard. He had a lunch. Several years later, another Jew came into my life. Justin and I have, Justin and I were having uh, the second baby. And we had a, it was, we were going through a real rough patch those days. Somebody came. Pastor says, there is a, there is a Jew who heard, our, who heard our messages and he wants to pay your hospital bill. And he was the one who gave me this computer. This is very close to my heart. This is a reminder. Constant reminder of blessing a Jew. Constant reminder. You see, when you look at Emmanuel, <laughs> I look at Emmanuel and I remember that man. I don't want to mention his name. A Jew who blessed you. You know, that's what God says. You, I'm no man's debtor. You release your hand. Those who water others will themselves be watered. Test it. Test it, Baba. Initially, you might have some difficulties, but eventually you will experience the overflow of God because God can trust you with more. See, how do you repay evil with good? By being generous to the people of God. Because because you enjoyed the protection of God. That is the reason why Paul commends the church in Macedonia. He says, you know what? These people, they gave out of their poverty. Their poverty overflowed in their expression of liberality. Boy, beyond their means they gave. That is what it means. When you withhold from giving to God, God's people. You know what you are doing? You are repaying evil for the good that you receive from God. God forgave you freely, right? God gave you everything freely, right? Forgiveness is so free. But when it comes to giving, how can we be tight-fisted? So the five things that we learned about Job. A regular and a disciplined lifestyle of contemplation, confession and repentance. First thing. Second thing. A regular lifestyle of being probed and being examined by the word of God and by the spirit of God. Third, when he's examined and probed, he doesn't hide, but he is honest before God. He practices a lifestyle of guilelessness and artlessness. Fourth, he practices a lifestyle of learning and respecting the God as father and fearing him and being zealous for his name. Fifth, he repays good for all that he received from God by being generous to God's people. So Job chapter 1 verse 8. What does it say? And we'll stop. Job chapter 1 verse number 8. Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. A blameless man, an upright man, one who fears God. And he runs away from evil or escheweth evil. And what does God do? He puts a hedge around him. 
hedge around him. That is how he hedges himself from the onslaught of the enemy and prepares himself for the coming days. So this morning, even as we are in the house of the Lord, shall we all stand? And I said, every time we come to the preaching of the word of God, it is just not a normal meeting. It is a covenantal meeting, right? It is a meeting where we make a covenant with God. Think about these things, my dear brothers. The world will hate us. That is what Job means. The one who is hated by the world. But because he is hidden in God, he is able to withstand the onslaught of the evil one over his life. So shall we pray this morning and ask God, Lord, give me a life of discipline. In that, I will contemplate. I will meditate on your word. I will keep short accounts with you. There is a time in which God may be found. But later, if you neglect and you drift away from God, you will find yourself so far from Him. Do not neglect those constant probings of God. When He shows you something in the Word, ask the Lord for the grace to be honest before Him. Revere Him. Fear Him. Be zealous for His name. And practice a lifestyle of generosity. Generosity. For God's people. Bible says, do not weary yourself in doing good, especially to the household of faith. For in due season, you will receive the reward. If you do not lose heart. It is through patience and perseverance we obtain the promise. Lord, this morning we come to you in the name of Jesus. We commit ourselves as a church to you, O Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. We thank you, Lord, for 15 years of your faithfulness in our lives. And even as we have entered into a new year, as a church, pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us with a heart of giving. And when we withhold, O Lord Jesus, from giving to you and to your people, O Lord, we repay evil for the good that we receive. We repay with evil. May we not be like Nabal, holding things for our own self, being bogged down in our own struggles and our own problems. Enable us to look outside. Out of our lives, look at the need. Pray, Lord Jesus, you'd bless us as a church with that heart. A heart which loves their brothers and sisters who's willing to share things with others, knowing that the time is short. For your word says, those who use the world as not, as though not owning it, 
but sharing liberally with others because the time is short. The time of your coming is short. But we want to be like David, O Lord. We want to fulfill all the will of God in our lives. We want it to be written about us, O Lord, that we as individuals and as a church fulfill God's purpose in our generation. Let it not be a dream. Let that be our aim. Let that be our ambition. And enable us as your children to work toward that. To knowing and doing all your will in our lives. Enable us to see long life and good days. Grant us mercy. Grant us mercy, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come to the end of this month. You're going to begin a new month, O Lord. Even as your children go back to this week, I pray, Lord Jesus, we'll keep this word in our hearts. We'll practice a lifestyle of contemplation and repentance. A lifestyle which will make itself accountable to the word that they receive. A lifestyle of being artless and guileless before God. A lifestyle of honoring and fearing your name in our workplaces, in our colleges and wherever we are. And a lifestyle of being generous, especially to the household of faith. To that end, I pray that I, that, you, that you will bless us a lot. Bless our church, Lord, especially, with a heart to give. And not to be tight-fisted. And to look at our own lives. So that we can enjoy your protection. And be hedged in. And be provided for, protected for, protected from, and prepared for the coming days. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.